Welcome to the Happy Startup School Radio. In this series, we chat to our community. In this episode, we talk to Max St. John. Hi, it's Carlos here from Happy Startup School alongside Max from Being Wild Things. Uh, This kind of conversation that we're having has been sparked off by a couple of articles we've seen. Well, one written by Max himself on co-founder relationships and what that means, what that really means. Uh, And we'll go into that in a bit more. And then there's an article that we recently saw, uh, we shared um, between ourselves. I don't know if I shared it on the community, actually. Uh, Might send that one out. After this, anyway, so you have some context. Um, I did a workshop on storytelling just this weekend, and I'm really crap at it at the moment. I really need to sort of like sort that out. Anyway, this was an article posted by uh, Joel Gascoigne from Buffer about some problems they're having with their company and having to downsize. So I think to kick off with, uh, we should probably start off with the article that you wrote. Mm, um, okay. And you shared with us first, because there were some bits of it that might relate to myself and Lawrence, but still, there's more general learnings around that. So I don't know if you wanted to elaborate first about what that was about. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I was thinking just last week that um, actually co-founded businesses are, form the majority of the companies I've either worked in or um, have worked with in the last 15 years. Yeah. And um, I realised that there were some similarities with um, like some of the some of the really great things, but also some of the things that get really sticky. Mm. So, um, and I was just trying to bring some clarity to that for my own um, for my own learning as much as anything else. Yeah, Max has been working with myself and Lawrence for the past couple of months, um, really helping us get clear on on what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it, um, and it's quite an interesting process. <laughs> It's one of those things that uh, unless you are at a certain point mm. and you feel you can't move forward or there's something that's blocking stuff or yeah. you, there's a transition. And for us, the transition is from agency to happy startup school as a full-term gig, really. Yeah. Uh, and that brings up a lot of things, particularly in myself. There's a bit of uncertainty of, of role and what, what's happening next mm. and where that, where that takes us. Yeah. And so... Yeah, you, you, there's, you've, and you've been working with other founders and seeing yeah. what, that, what happens there. Just in the last year, probably about two or three other co-founder relationships. So uh, the things in the, in the blog post are, are not specifically about uh, you <laughs> and Lawrence, although there's learning definitely from that. I think the thing that you just mentioned is that um, it isn't until things get difficult that you, um, you start to set up and take notice of how things are. I think the... The nature of any business, really, as um, any co-founder relationships as, as well, is that um, uh, everything's fine until it's not fine. Um, but some of the things that lead to things not being fine are, um, I guess, I noticed this tendency to, to not really spend as much time together as uh, you might have in the very early days. So mm-hmm. this thing that um, when you start a business together, it's it's often two friends. Um, Doing something, there's a lot of challenge, a lot of adversity. There's a lot of fun in that kind of uniting against that challenge and adversity, and and um, in a more positive sense, like trying to achieve something crazy together and make uh, something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. There's that sense that we're making something out of nothing. We've got this idea and we can just bring it to life. Nothing to lose as well at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, there's less at risk. Although I guess some people, it's uh, less about. Uh, it's not so much about the money, but about a sense of. Um, 
not wanting to fail, that's mm -hmm. a big deal at, at that stage. So, so yeah, the less to lose maybe financially, depending on the model you use. Um, but then, like, you know, you, you, you hire some staff, you've got a lot of clients, things get really busy, and you fall into a pattern, into a routine, and, and I think one of the things that goes out the window is quality time and quality dialogue. And so there are more people around, so you don't have quite the same conversations, and you're so busy that you don't take time out of the office together to really listen to what's going on for the other. And so much becomes tied up in that relationship, so much of yourself gets tied up in that relationship, that even when you are having those conversations, sometimes you can't really notice, can't really see or mm. hear the other person, you're just hearing your own stuff. You're, you, especially if things are difficult, if you're looking at, you know, like, the, like Buffy looking at making redundancies, or um, uh, trying to think of other examples, I don't know, you're losing clients, or you've got issues in the, in the team, and that might, feel very, very difficult for mm -hmm. one or both of you. And so you start having these conversations and, and you've lost maybe the, a bit of that knack of being able to really tune into what's going on for the other and instead you just find yourself in conflict. Because um, one of the things I think we might mistake as quality conversations is just talking about the business. Yeah, for sure. And so it is just the financials, the practicalities, the details, whatever it may be. But you also say there's there's other stuff that's really about the the communication isn't just about the mechanics yeah. of the business. Yeah. And what's going on with us personally and what's going on us emotionally. Definitely, yeah. I think um, uh, I think I'm preaching to convert when I say like we don't leave our feelings at the door when we come to work. And um, uh, I think, you know, most of the time we're um, we're talking we we think we're having an intellectual, rational conversation but almost almost never that's the case, or that's a very small percentage of what's going on. What's really going on underneath is how do I feel about this? Um, what needs do I need to have recognised in this conversation? In fact, the conflict happens when, uh, conflict happens when, um, when we think we're having a, an intellectual, rational debate, uh, and actually what we're trying to do is expressing how we feel, mm. um, or um, trying to um, express a need, um, or an unmet need. Yeah. And um, especially with these kind of circular conflicts, if you in co-founder relationships, you find yourself falling into a rut of what feels like an unhealthy or a negative pattern of uh, behaviour between you two. It's often because you're talking, you can be talking a lot, but um, you're paying too much attention to the words and you're not really tuning into what's going on with the other person. Or you don't feel properly able to express yourself. And it can be very frustrating. I think on that point, I think it's a question of the language we can use. I think yeah. we're very based in the language of business and for those kind of words and might not necessarily have the rich vocabulary enough to express what you're saying is mm. what's actually going on underneath, yeah. which then dictates the, the more rational language we're trying to use. Well, there's a, and there's a, something about vulnerability in that as mm. well because it's, it can feel... So especially when times are difficult, um, um, it can feel even more risky to be vulnerable with a small v. Um, I think expressing what's going on for me right now um, could feel like um, a little bit exposing, mm -hmm. or um, uh, you might, like you say, you might not have the vocabulary for it. Um, a lot of us are brought up not necessarily having that. Um, uh, yeah, rich uh, lexicon to express how we're feeling, and uh, maybe we're not taught that it's totally okay or totally safe 
to talk about how we're feeling. So, and like I say, in those when things feel stressful, we go into quite defensive, you know, not just uh, emotionally, but physiologically. Our brain goes into problem-solving mode. We're less able to empathise with others, but also less able to empathise with ourselves. We're, we've got a narrow focus, narrow view, and it makes it even more difficult to open up and say, do you know what? I'm just really struggling right now, and um, I'm, I'm finding it hard to think about how we're going to get through this, and I really just want to share that I'm, I'm, I don't know, whatever it is to, to, to open up in that way can be hard. And would you say being able to do that is actually more empowering because it releases you of that somehow? Yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my bias, um, but then that's how, that's how I am, and that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of how I found my way through some very difficult situations was learning to, to let go of the, the, the fear that stopped me from opening up to, to, my, to the person I was with, my, my, my partner in, in a, a business sense, um, and to, to my team as well, actually. And um, yeah, I, do, I think it's ultimately, it's, it's empowering because while we are not expressing that part of ourselves, but we're experiencing that, mm. um, and for some of it we might we might know that it's there but we are afraid of talking about it or um, it's not so much uh, in our heads but in our bodies we get we know when we're stressed you know the, the clenched jaw the tense body the you know a bit of a, a headache um, being able to talk about this stuff is being able to let go of that and mm -hmm. it also is a process of it allowing the other person to, to offer some help yeah um, because while it's just with you then no, nobody can do it well, it seems like as well, you can't be creative or solve anything if you've got these things buzzing through your head back in, you know, it's too much noise. Yeah. So being yeah. able to somehow get rid of that noise in whatever way possible. Yeah. And it feels like, well, again, talking to the whole idea of not feeling vulnerable, the business world that myself and Lawrence saw when we were starting was very much about you can't show your weakness. It had to be, you knew everything, everything was all good and you had all the answers mm. and it just uh, and then I put an added pressure and stress to feel like you're doing that when in yeah. fact actually it, uh, it stopped any kind of creativity yeah for sure yeah like pressure sense. in a sense and then in terms of the whole idea of kind of external pressures and and what you should do and what you well, actually the things you think you should be doing kind of relating to this article and the buffer by by Joel and buffer is he was talking about well, to give more context, they're having to downsize. Yeah. They're hitting 90-odd people. Cash flows is, is, is bad, and so they're having to get rid of, of at least about 30-something. I think it was 10. 10? Was it yeah, 10? Sorry. But it felt like a really big deal because yeah. that's like nearly 10%, well, it is more than 10% of their staff, um, yeah. and I think they've grown quite recently, so yeah. it's having to kind of yeah, do a bit of a U-turn on that. And he... In the article, he was writing about why they'd grown so quickly, and yeah. he had some ideas around what could motivate someone or what pushes them to, to grow when they shouldn't necessarily grow. Yeah. Well, it's a really beautiful piece, actually. Yeah. It's really, um, really honest and really open. I think, uh, it's just as a side note, it's great to see more people being like that, and it feels like a bit of a trend. I think you talk about vulnerability, it feels a bit abstract, or it can feel a bit icky. But uh, Joel's piece is, is being really open, being really vulnerable. He says, I, I messed up, um, I'm really sorry. He's taking the time to learn from that and to share it openly with other people. The things that um, felt uh, like they came up for me were, um, 
yeah, he, he explicitly says that he thinks his ego had a big part to play in um, setting his goals and his, uh, and his motivations. And that, uh, I think we can all learn from that. You know, he says very clearly that he wanted to be able to tell his, his friends, his family, um, to talk about uh, how big his company was. That, that was really meaningful to him, um, but in, in, a, in a really sort of ego-led sense. Um, and what he says he found is that um, that uh, that need that ego has isn't isn't uh, doesn't uh, isn't supported by the numbers, yeah. uh, and now he's having to deal with the consequences of that. And I think the um, it's that uh, gives us all an opportunity to think about like what sets my goals, what what are my motivations, what are the drivers for my ambitions. Um, and personally, I find that really helpful. Mm-hmm. You've got to be careful that it doesn't turn into a sort of analysis paralysis, because <laughs> yes. if we unpick everything that we do, you know. Yeah. Um, in a mindfulness sense, you know, we don't we don't need anything. We don't really <laughs> need, we need food, shelter, warmth. Yeah. Uh, everything else is fine. You know, everything will be okay. But, but it does speak to and I, when you were talking earlier about how if you're caught up in that emotion, then the rational decisions aren't so rational anymore. Yeah. And so, being aware that, yeah, I think stepping back from that a bit, yeah. or being aware that there's that emotion going on. So there's a, there is a tangible benefit by being aware, and there's a serious benefit from doing that. And it's interesting that whole point about you know just let it go, it's fine, everything will be okay. Um, I think it's this whole idea of not being owned by the goal, but mm. still wanting to pursue the goal, yeah. but not being owned by it, yeah. or still observing by the emotion, or the, the emotion, but not necessarily being the emotion. Yeah, for sure. So we can't, we don't necessarily have to be. Motionless automatons. Yeah, to be goalless either. Yeah. I think goals serve a really useful purpose. If we didn't have them, then um, uh, you know they they set a context for everything. You know they help us organise our resources and our energy mm-hmm. and help us feel a bit more clear. And you know you talked about distractions. You know when we've decided what we're going to focus on and we commit to it, and we know that all the other stuff, all the noise, can kind of drop away. But like you say, it's like. Um, they would have been able to, I imagine, putting myself in their shoes, they would have been able to very easily intellectually um, argue for that goal and that growth. Um, but Joel now stepping back is saying, I can see that goal for what it was, and it was uh, driven by my need to feel like a success, mm-hmm. um, which is a really brave thing to, to, to say and to admit. Um, and I think you'll find that all over business, you know, large yeah. and small multinational corporations are driven um, uh, at least in part by you know people's uh, fears desires needs to f- feel like a success in the world um, and uh, yeah it's like what 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 does success mean for me you know that's one of the questions that it brings up and um, do I want to look for that validation outside of myself in my friends my families my, my business community or like what would success feel like to me how would I know and can I give that to myself how can I relocate my, uh, what do they call it, the locus of evaluation? Yeah. No, I think it's, it, there's a balance between, and this is an interesting part because a lot of our community and people come homeschool, one of the key things that we ask them is like, you know, what's the goal, what's the purpose, yeah. what's their vision, what are their values? Uh, but we're not saying forget the money or forget <laughs> having goals or forget being ambitious. Yeah. It's understanding what the need is that you're yeah. trying to yeah. fulfil. For sure. And whether that's a real a useful need or whether that's the right word to use. But how does that relate to something that's a bit more authentic about what you're doing? I think the, um, the opportunity when you can see what's 
driving the goal. So what the need is, is then to you have the opportunity to look at the belief. Mm-hmm. So um, for myself, or you know, if we're working together, if we're co-founders, to to look at what are we, what are we striving to achieve? What what is the need in me that that fulfills? Mm-hmm. Is that meaning and purpose is that. Um, For fun and play, whatever it is, and then to look at okay, what, why do I, how does that, why is that need arising? Like, um, do I believe that I can't be a success unless I have a uh, hundred plus person company? Yeah. Um, and then, do I believe that to be true? Yeah. Um, and you know that can that can feel a bit woo woo and a bit out there, but if you think about it, it, when it comes down to it, this is this is the nuts and bolts of business. Yeah. You know, we we build structures we build we invest our time our energy our love into things so it's worth thinking really about about the why really and you're going to be in it and you're going to be having to suffer the consequences of those decisions and so if you're stressed out and and wishing you weren't in this big mess yeah and being in business is messy you know being a human is is a messy business and being humans together is is a an an Mm. even messier exponentially (laughs) messier business so, like, there is a degree of accepting that and learning to, if not love it, get, you know, like be with it and, and work with it and just know that it's going to get messy. But, but then if we're taking responsibility for how we set our goals, how we express ourselves, then we can, the opportunity we have is to shape our businesses and our working lives more around what really matters to us so that when we are dealing with the consequences of those decisions, it's something that's uh, really meaningful. Cool. There's just Nick coming online oh. now to Nick who? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nick. Um, so, cool. You um, mentioned the money. I, I didn't mention the money. Because that was another big thing in the buffer piece. Yeah. I've definitely got to circulate that link. Um, because uh, it then, it's, it's wonderful openness and honesty and talking about um, what's gone on, what's went wrong, what went wrong, taking responsibility for decisions. But it's really clearly still um, talking about that. Uh, and now here, here's how we're going to grow. Here's how we're going to grow financially and some um, he- like healthily ambitious growth targets. And I think that's the other interesting thing is to think about how we shape our, our working lives and our businesses around money. And we have to respect the money. The money, for the money needs to line up with what we're doing, not mm-hmm. not the other way around. And I think sometimes we come unstuck because we put the money first. Yeah. And that's very hard not to do. You know, we have I have a mortgage to pay. I have two kids to feed. You know, I'm. I've spent the last 37 years um, surrounded by and being told that money's the mo- one of the most important things, and you know to neglect money is irresponsible or um, foolish or whatever. But um, actually, it's more irresponsible and foolish to to think about the money first because money in itself doesn't have a, a meaning or a purpose to it. You know that's why we've got to get better at working with money, not say oh well, money doesn't matter, mm-hmm. or to say actually the money's the most important thing. It's like improving how we work with it and put it in its place yeah yeah i think it's i usually see it as a very lazy measure of, of progress or success um, but it's it seems to be a it's a difficult one-to-one pick and we did that workshop a while yeah, ago <laughs> we do that again yeah definitely but it's um it's just how the world how the world works it's how the world it's a use it's seen as a useful shorthand yeah right? shorthand for security success um, you know, validation of your ideas, um, but it's it's better to look for security and look for what success means and, and decide what validation is rather than jump straight into the money. Yeah. Um, because it's, otherwise, it's a bit of a mess. So there's a bit of a journey there in, in terms <laughs> of uh, 
I think, uh, maybe to sum up, how can we sum that up in terms of some key things to take away? Co-founder relationships aren't just about a transactional, you've got skills, I've got skills, let's make loads of money. There's a, a relationship that needs to be managed there and, and yeah. cultivated. Cultivated, nurtured, yeah. you know, looked after, yeah. Definitely. And I think things that I've seen, particularly in the startup scene around co-founder speed dating and mm. just finding a co-founder as a transactional process yeah. rather than someone who's going to be in the wars with you yeah. seems to be uh, seems to be the, 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 the trend at the moment. Mm. Maybe hopefully what we talk about and how we share this stuff starts turning people's heads a bit. Mm. Um, and then there's this whole idea of being ego-driven or driven by things that aren't necessarily the right motivators. Is that the right way of putting it? Yeah, something I think it's to recognise that we all have egos and they're part of our identity and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just to be conscious of how you then set those goals and what part of your ego and your identity are you allowing to set those goals and mm -hmm. because you're going to have to commit to it and you're going to have to live by it. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's that clarity. Well, you end up firing people. <laughs> yeah. Which no one likes doing. No, no, it's not pleasant for anyone. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much. Very welcome. Hope thank that you. was useful, you guys. Uh, and yeah, we'll be picking up on some random conversations sparked by blog posts in the future. Cool. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>